Our gospel reading comes today to us from Matthew, the second chapter. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. And when they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. I invite you to pray with me this morning. Holy God, you have a word for us today, a word of comfort and a word of challenge, a word of hope and a word of leadership for our lives. Make our hearts soft, plant your word in us that it may bear fruit through our lives. Amen. Well, I had an epiphany. Actually, I didn't, but you've, uh, you've heard this said before, right? Maybe you've said it yourself. We use this phrase, uh, what do you think of when you hear the word epiphany? Maybe you think uh, of a sudden idea that hits you or a brilliant insight you hadn't seen before. Maybe if you're of a certain age like myself, you might think of a cartoon character that has this light bulb go bing over their heads, right? It's an epiphany. Well, today we celebrate epiphany in the life of the church, and when we think about it in this context, it's about God revealing something to us, about a manifestation of God's presence and spirit in our lives or in our worlds. And every year we connect it to this story in Matthew of the wise men visiting Jesus. And it's a very unique story, isn't it? I mean, there's nothing quite like it in the rest of Scripture. And so it makes me wonder, what is God revealing to us through this story? Now, often it kind of just gets rolled up in the Christmas story with everything else, but it's kind of, it's really separate and there's so much going on here. So I want to take a closer look at it today and, and, and see what we can learn. And so as I was digging into the story this week, I thought to myself, where does one go if one wants to learn more about the wise men and this story? You have to find a trusted source of wisdom and knowledge and scholarly depth, Right. So thankfully, my friends gave us a Christmas card trivia game uh, before the holidays, and I knew it was probably legit because it had four types of cards, a reindeer card, a Santa card, a Christmas tree card, and uh, I think a snowman card. And we were playing this with our friends the week before Christmas, and a card was pulled out and read, and it was said, 
how many wise men visited Jesus? And I thought to myself, a biblical card. I'm a pastor. I know this one. Me, me, me. And I was called upon and I said, we don't actually know. It doesn't give us a number in the Bible. And my friend's teenage daughter looked at me and went, "Eh," and made this nasty buzzer sound and said, three, you're a pastor. You should know that. (laughs) Right? But we have a song, we three kings of Orient are, right? We have this song, we have these traditions, but what does the Bible text actually tell us? What do we really know? So I want to put up this first verse from our gospel reading again on the screen. It says this, in the time of Herod, King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. There's conspicuously no number in that text. And you notice that? Why do we say three? I promise I didn't doctor the text here. We all think three. Well, there's three gifts brought. So there's a tradition. There were probably three. But it's interesting. We don't really know for sure. And when you think about it, if you read closely, Herod is the only king mentioned in the story. And where do they come from? The song says of Orient, but There's nothing in the biblical text about that. It just says, ambiguously, the east, right? There's a lot of places east of Israel and Jerusalem. So there's a lot that we don't know. It seems that the writers of that song took some pretty bold liberties (laughs) uh, to make this song. Why is it so unclear? Well, there's a lot of ambiguity in the story, but when it comes to the Bible, often that's intentional. Because Matthew wanted to leave it somewhat open to leave a sense of mystery to this story because, as I said, it's very unique. Also, leaving that ambiguity so there's space for us to interpret what it means for our lives today and and all throughout history, different people in different contexts and times, there's space for that. So for all that we don't know, what do we know about this story? Well, the, the word wise men, the Greek word there is magi. You've probably heard that before. That's a pretty common translation. And it does mean wise men, literally. Beyond that, we're not really sure, but a lot of scholars think that they were likely Zoroastrian priests uh, from maybe Persia. That was a religion widely practiced in the Eastern uh, Middle East in that time, Persia in particular. People who uh, read the signs and the heavens and the stars. So they were likely Zoroastrian priests, Persian astrologers, something along those lines. And, and where they were from, it just says east. Again, they think maybe Persia or that region, but we don't know for sure. And we don't even know precisely the time that they came. As I said, we kind of roll it up with the Christmas Eve story, but really it's, it's very evident that it was sometime later at least because Mary was home and, and there's this gap. So for all that we don't know, what we do know is what they, they did, right? What the Bible tells us is what they did when they got to that house in Bethlehem. And if we look at the story, uh, this verse again, uh, verses 11 and, or 10 and 11, it says, when they got to the, the, the house, they were overwhelmed with joy. The Greek says they rejoiced with a great joy. Some translations even say shouted with joy. And they step into this small, humble house. And when they see Jesus with Mary, they bow down and they worship him. And then they give extravagant, generous gifts. When they see Jesus, they're overwhelmed with joy. They can't help but worship and they give. And why does all this matter? Well, I think there are three really important things that this story reveals to us that's, that's helpful. First, the Magi were Gentiles. 
they play a prominent role in the birth story of Jesus, or at least in his early childhood, but they're foreigners, and they're Gentiles. And in Matthew's gospel, if you look back, it begins with the genealogy of Jesus, and I know that's all our favorite part of the Bible to read, right? But if you look closely in Matthew's genealogy, he includes several Gentile women, That means that Matthew from the outset is lifting up these foreigners, these Gentiles, and part of God's story. This is no small point. The second thing that we see in the story is their obedience. These these foreigners, these Gentiles, display this openness to God's leading in their lives. They're open and obedient enough to travel all this distance and honor this child as a king, which is in stark contrast to what we see with a lot of the religious leaders in Israel in Jesus' day, right? They pay attention to, they listen to, and follow God's leadership. And the third thing we see in this story is very early in Matthew's gospel, this kind of setting up of the clash between powers and kingdoms. Because where do the Magi first go? They go to King Herod right? And, and whoever they were or, or were not, they must have been important enough that they could gain audience with the king, right? And, and then we see the, the chief priests and, and the, the higher-ups of the religious elite coming into the palace as well to talk with Herod. And I can just almost see they come in, these foreigners, these dignitaries, and they tell Herod about this newborn king, and you can almost see him do a spit take. What? What king are you talking about? From the beginning, there's this showdown between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Herod, the kingdom of Caesar, of Rome, right? So we have all these interesting, significant details in the story, but what is God revealing to us for our lives today? What epiphany is God trying to put before us through this turn of events? Well, one thing that seems really clear to me in this story is that this gospel that Jesus brings is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. This newborn Savior is for all people. You see, God uses these foreigners in this story to bring the message of Jesus' birth to the most powerful in the land. And if you put this alongside Luke's gospel, Luke highlights the angels appearing to the lowliest of the Israelites, the shepherds in the fields, and not even just shepherds, but those guys that were so lowly they got stuck with the night shift, right? So Jesus coming into this world is for everyone from the very least to the greatest, from the Israelites to the Gentiles, for all of us. The other thing that I think we see in the story is there's this preparing that's happening, this preparing for the way of Jesus. Later in the Gospels, we hear very clearly about John the Baptist's role in preparing the way of Jesus, but I think these early stories are stories of preparing the way as well. I mean, think about it. The shepherds have this life-changing vision and this experience, this miraculous experience, and they're going to go home and tell everyone and anyone who will listen about this story. They're preparing God's heart or people's hearts for God's coming, saying God is up to something and it's going to be big. And then the magi returning home to their homeland telling their story. And if you really think about it, can you imagine before they set out on this journey what their friends and family must have thought about taking this crazy trip they were talking about? You're going where? What are you talking about? Seriously? Oh, and why are you going? Because you saw a funny light in the sky? (laughs) Wise men? More like foolish men. But they go. They're faithful. They're obedient. And they come back and they share the story, perhaps planting seeds and preparing the way for that gospel message that would come years later through the apostles, the early church, through Thomas and others. 
God is planting seeds, preparing hearts. See, this is a story about the amazing things that can happen when people pay attention and respond to God's revelation. I mean, think about it. What if the, what if the shepherds had never gone to the, the stable that night? What if the magi had played it safe and just stayed home? But no, they were attentive, they were obedient, and they took a risk. And through them, God reveals something new and begins paving the way for the gospel to spread. You know, a few years ago, Pastor Amy started this tradition of these star words that I, I mentioned, and, and we do this on Epiphany, uh, you know, the star and all that, but it's amazing. It's such a simple practice, but when we do it prayerfully, I'm amazed at what can happen. It started with just our fly students, and then she started doing it with the staff, and then it spread out to the whole congregation and even beyond, and it's this small thing, but, but we take a moment to pray and ask what God might want to reveal to us, and I'm amazed every year at what, this, what the word is that I pull up. If you ask my staff, they will probably affirm this. What happens is I get my star word, and I look at it, and I laugh a little bit, and I shake my head and say, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> because it's exactly the word I need to hear, whether I want to or not, from God. So what star is God rising in the east for you? What is God trying to reveal to you today? What is God trying to lead us toward in the coming year? Are we paying attention? And I know that sometimes we might be even looking for a sign or direction, and it can be difficult to find, difficult to know And so in closing, I want to leave us with three practical things that we learn from the Magi and the shepherds, I think, that are so important when we're trying to discern God's guidance for our lives. So three things that I see that they do. First, there's a sense of community, and then the importance of the Bible and courageous obedience. So first, this community. Notice they don't do it alone. Whether there were two Magi or four Magi or three Magi, it doesn't matter They talked about it together. They wondered together, did you see that? What do you think that it means? They discerned together in community with one another. The second thing, the the importance of the Bible in, in our lives and in our discernment to hearing God's voice, yes, they all had a miraculous sign in the sky, right? But notice, if you look closely in this story, they only got so far until they had the scriptures open to them. They didn't find Jesus until they heard that prophecy from Micah shared with them. God's word is essential in our lives. And thirdly, this obedience that was courageous. They took a risk. There was nothing safe or normal about what these wise men embarked on. They stepped out in faith. They showed courageous obedience. So what is God revealing to you today? What what new thing is God doing in our lives, in our worlds? Let us, in this 2024, this year ahead, pay attention, look Listen, talk about it with others, seek God's direction and God's word, and then take a risk. You might just find yourself on an incredible journey. Will you pray with me? God, we give thanks for these stories, these ancient stories of your revelation and these miraculous ways and these uh, strange ways that you led your people of old. God, speak to our hearts today. In our world, we, we desperately need you. We need your leadership in our lives, in our world, in our congregation. Open our hearts, our eyes, and our ears. Help us to hear one another as we embark on this journey to follow you together. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks and we pray. Amen.